As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is an apostrophe podcast production. We regret to inform you, the Rejection Podcast. You put in weeks of time and effort, and then in just 20 minutes, studio executives say no. And that happened again and again and again. We just got beat up to the point where we were out of money and we were just like, we're done. Ross Duffer. and Ross Duffer were five years old when they realized their dream. The identical twin brothers were born in Durham, North Carolina in 1984. Their cinephile father visited the local movie theater each week to catch the latest blockbuster. The first movie he ever took the Duffer brothers to see was The Princess Bride when they were just three years old. It was terrifying. When the rodents of unusual size burst onto the screen, 
The twins ran screaming in the other direction, but it sparked something within them. Over the following years, their interest in film began to grow, and by kindergarten, it became an obsession. They were the youngest people at Dead Poet Society by at least 20 years, but it didn't matter. The smell of popcorn in a darkened theater felt like home. One evening in 1989, perched in front of their television set, a movie trailer caught the twins' attention. It was for Tim Burton's Batman. Completely mesmerized, they begged their parents to take them to see it. The brothers were blown away. Batman quickly became their favorite movie. But not for the obvious reasons. Yes, like most 80s youngins, Bats was their hero. But what really struck the Duffer brothers was Tim Burton's directing style. Remember, in 1989, the boys were five. Typical five-year-olds aren't aware of the concept of a director, let alone a directing style. But Burton's style was overt, distinguishable from the others. So they began researching Burton and watching all his films. Suddenly, dots appeared connecting Batman to Edward Scissorhands two very different movies tethered by Burton's signature aesthetic. And they decided that year that maybe, just maybe, they'd grow up to do what he did. In the third grade, Santa brought the brothers a very special gift. A high 8 video camera. Together, they used it to recreate their favorite 80s movies, like E.T. and The Goonies. And eventually, they started creating their own. They had learned from their now extensive movie-going experience that most motion pictures were about two hours long. So they'd prop up their Hi8 camera, take a kitchen timer and set it for two hours, and act out movies with their stuffed animals. As soon as there were 30 minutes left on the timer, It was time for the climax, and by the hour and 45-minute mark, they knew to start wrapping it up. They spent their humid North Carolina summers inside the local Visart video store, perusing the shelves in search of shiny new titles to add to their collection. By high school, their bedrooms were flooded with VHS tapes and college pamphlets. Their dream of becoming the next Tim Burton had only grown over the decade. Only now they worshipped at the altars of Steven Spielberg and John Carpenter. Film school was a no-brainer. So the Duffer brothers applied to the top film schools in the country, which, at the time, Ross said, included USC, 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 and NYU. The University of Southern California's School of Cinema Television was the be-all, end-all. It was located in the heart of Los Angeles, which, to two budding directors from Durham, North Carolina, was the Mecca. It also boasted alumni like George Lucas, Shonda Rhimes, and Ron Howard. So the brothers mailed their reels to California and New York, and a couple safety schools for good measure. They waited anxiously by the mailbox. Matt and Ross were rejected by NYU and shortly afterward, USC. The Duffers were devastated. 
That spring, a third envelope came in the mail. They were accepted by one of their backup schools, Florida State University. A fine alternative, but their acceptance came with a caveat. The Duffers weren't allowed to work as a team. The brothers had been working together since the womb. They'd never even considered solo careers. Being separated was a deal breaker. So they went with their gut and turned down Florida State. It was an anxiety-inducing move, as they had virtually no other options. Then, a final letter arrived in the mail. This one was from Chapman University, a smaller private college located in Orange County. It wasn't their first choice, their second, or maybe even their third. But it had a film program, it accepted the brothers as a team, and it was a mere 40 miles from the Mecca. College confirmed two things for the Duffer brothers. One, that their five-year-old selves were spot on in identifying their passion. And two, that working as a team was the only way they were going to be successful. So after graduation in 2007, the green directing duo wasted no time heading due north to Los Angeles. They had amassed a list of script ideas to pitch to studios and were itching to line up some meetings. A popular movie at the time was called Paranormal Activity. It was a thriller shot in found footage style, meaning the camera footage appears as though the tapes had been discovered, as opposed to staged and shot by filmmakers, a storytelling technique often used in horror films. The horror genre was the Duffer's passion. Found footage, on the other hand, was a style they weren't very fond of. But it was having a big moment in the mid-2000s, and they figured it was what people wanted to see. So the brothers started pitching found footage ideas to studio executives and producers, anyone whose assistant they could persuade to pencil them in for a meeting. But in the few meetings they landed, they couldn't hold the executives' attention. One by one, doors were slammed in their faces. And despite what their film school teachers had repeatedly preached, it was impossible not to take that rejection to heart. That post-graduation energy was suddenly an anvil dragging behind them. They would have to tell their hopeful parents back in Durham that they were failing. Ross was on an airplane one evening about to land at LAX. As he told the story years later at a Chapman convocation ceremony, he looked out the window and saw a galaxy of city lights twinkling below him. And he wondered, how many people down there were chasing the same dream as him and his brother? Thousands? The thought of that much competition overwhelmed him with existential dread, followed quickly by panic. Hold that thought. We'll be right back. If you like this podcast, we think you'll also like Under the Influence. It's a fun show that analyzes how advertising affects your life. Like, why does the ad you hate sell the most products? And what the hell is going on with Matthew McConaughey in those car commercials? If you never thought you would ever listen to a show about advertising, consider the one iTunes chose as one of the most popular podcasts of the year, Under the Influence. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. 
But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One afternoon, the brothers were walking through L.A. when they passed a Starbucks. They had exactly one month's worth of rent in their bank accounts, and exactly zero of their ideas had been picked up. If they wanted to keep living in L.A., they'd probably have to start pouring coffee. But baristas were coveted positions in Los Angeles. That's when the realization washed over them that they probably couldn't even get that job. So instead of dropping off an application, the brothers had another realization. They now had nothing to lose. Instead of pitching a movie they thought other people wanted to see, they decided to pitch one they wanted to see. So they huddled in their tiny apartment and decided to attempt something completely out of their comfort zone, writing their own script. The Duffers were first and foremost directors. They had never thought of themselves as writers. Putting pen to paper at Chapman was always forced and clumsy. But this time, the writing came easy. They co-wrote a script for a thriller they called Hidden, based on a concept the brothers had been tossing around for a few years. 
It was about a family living in North Carolina that were the only survivors of a deadly outbreak, living hidden after the government bombs the infected city. They were re-energized by their script, confident even, because it wasn't based on other people's ideas or on trends, but based on their own ideas of what a great horror movie should be. Then came the part the brothers had come to dread, pitching to executives. Matt couldn't help but feel the executives weren't interested in anything they had to say, even before they opened their mouths. There were moments that they thought they were never going to break through because no one would take them seriously. As Matt said, that's when you start to feel that it's impossible. Then the Duffers got an unexpected call from their agent. Multiple studios were interested in the rights to their script, including giants like Warner Brothers. And it had ignited a bidding war. It felt completely surreal. Some of the biggest and best-known studios in the world were fighting over their creation. As a sweetener, Warner Brothers agreed to let the virtually unknown Duffer Brothers direct the film as well. Sold. That night, the Duffers did something they never did. They went out to dinner to celebrate. Matt ordered a Thai iced tea. Normally, he would get water. Not bottled, certainly not sparkling. He'd get tap water. Ordering a real drink was a luxury he could never justify. But that night, he sipped a Thai iced tea. And nothing he'd ever achieved before or since tasted so good. The brothers were pinching themselves. They couldn't believe they had actually made it in, into Hollywood, into the secret society they'd spend a lifetime trying to pledge. With a major studio behind them, they had access to major stars. So they cast True Blood heartthrob Alexander Skarsgård as the lead. A set was built to reflect the claustrophobic bomb shelter the brothers had envisioned. The shelter was meant to be cold, dusty, dark, a dilapidated dungeon the main characters, a family of three, had endured for over a year. This made for tight camera work and meant the majority of the scenes would be quite dimly lit. Three weeks into shooting, Ross got a phone call from a producer at Warner Brothers. The studio wasn't happy. Warner Brothers was concerned about how much of the movie was taking place inside the dark bomb shelter. The conversation worried the brothers, but they reassured the executives that they would make it work. Finally, it was done. They finished filming Hidden, their very first movie, a huge milestone for the Duffer brothers. Then the phone rang again. It was Warner Brothers. They still weren't happy with the bomb shelter. Then, they dropped a bomb of their own. The studio decided not to release the movie. Instead, they were dumping it straight to video. The Duffers were mortified. Suddenly, Hidden took on a whole new meaning. Ross walked home that night fighting back tears. This time, he said, they didn't feel like failures. They felt like frauds. The Duffers had gone from rejection to success to rejection again. They were back to square one. Only this time, they weren't just nobodies. They were Hollywood pariahs. 
No one wanted to work with the twins from North Carolina who fumbled their first and only project. No one would ever see their movie. No one except Donald DeLine. DeLine was a movie producer. His CV included The Italian Job, I Love You Man, and a little 90s flick called Pretty Woman. DeLine had, for the first time in his career, ventured into the world of television. He was producing a new Fox show called Wayward Pines and was looking for talented writers. Wayward Pines was a science fiction mystery series starring Matt Dillon and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Somewhere along the line, the script for Hidden had landed on DeLine's desk, and he was intrigued by the brothers' style. So he asked them for a meeting. The Duffers were thrilled, then terrified. M. Night Shyamalan was an icon, someone they had looked up to for years. And they were failures. Not to mention they had no experience whatsoever writing for television. But that's when they realized sometimes you have to fake it till you make it. So they met with DeLine and Shyamalan and feigned confidence. And the Duffers were hired. The brothers wrote for the first season of Wayward Pines, and they enjoyed it a lot. M. Night Shyamalan became their mentor, something they never thought was possible. And they were learning the ins and outs of television firsthand. Their IMDb page included an unreleased straight-to-video film, but now it also featured a season of a successful TV show. The Duffers considered it a triumph, a testament to their passion and resilience. But while they enjoyed writing Wayward Pines, there was still a big part of them that wanted the work they did to be their own. So during the wayward hiatus, they huddled back in their tiny apartment to come up with a fresh idea for a horror TV show. The 80s always held a special place in their hearts. Sure, they only experienced the decade for the first six years of their lives, but some of their biggest inspirations came out of the 80s. Stephen King's It, Winona Ryder, and Nightmare on Elm Street, to name a few. So they set their series in 1983 in Montauk, Long Island, as a tribute to one of their favorite films, Jaws. But Montauk also had another major draw for the brothers. Camp Hero, a decommissioned military base on the island, has been the longtime site of a conspiracy theory involving a secret government lab. Rumor has it, the U.S. government used the base to practice psychological warfare techniques. It was the perfect setting for their idea. A small-town middle school boy goes missing, and as his friends, family, and the local police department rally to find him, they uncover major secrets involving a government lab and a supernatural other world. They called it Montauk. With the exception of the parents and the police department, the cast would be almost entirely made up of kids aged 12 to 16. But it wasn't just a kid's show. They figured the heavy themes and 80s nostalgia would appeal to adults, but the young cast made it relatable to teens as well. They made a 23-page lookbook to help pitch their vision. 
stills from John Carpenter and Guillermo del Toro movies, and shots of 80s bicycles. Armed with a pilot script, their lookbook, and their conviction, the Duffer brothers wandered back out into the battlefield to pitch to studios. Remarkably, they booked 12 meetings in one week, but were rejected 12 times. They were told no adults would ever watch a show with tweens as the leads, and nobody even cared about the 80s anymore. One studio said they'd consider it if the brothers either made the choice to make it a kid's show or removed the kids entirely and made the plot revolve around the Montauk Police Department. But that would mean losing the entire essence of the story. They believed you didn't have to be a kid today or a kid in the 80s to relate to the characters. So as much as it pained them, not to mention terrified them, the Duffers dug their heels in. They decided they weren't going to compromise their vision and said no. Their agent told them their special project just needed to find a special home, to which the brothers cringed in unison. They knew their project was special, but they didn't think it was that kind of special. It was quickly becoming apparent that people weren't getting it. It was a horror meets science fiction meets mystery television show set in the 80s starring eight kids who fight aliens. Okay, maybe it was special, but they stood behind their creation and booked one last meeting. The last meeting their agent had booked was with a producer-director named Sean Levy. Levy was known for his work on movies like Cheaper by the Dozen and Night at the Museum, and he owned his own production company. Ten minutes into their pitch, Levy was hooked. He loved the idea, he loved the story, and he loved the Duffer Brothers. So he set up a meeting with Netflix. Netflix was a heavily guarded castle, but Levy had the juice to make the door swing wide open. Even though they knew it was a great opportunity, the Duffers were pessimistic. They braced themselves for another door slam, but they gave it their all and delivered their final pitch. Within 24 hours, Netflix had bought an entire season. They changed the setting from Montauk to the fictional and even creepier Hawkins, Indiana. Winona Ryder was cast as a lead, the show's name was changed to Stranger Things, and the Duffer Brothers' world turned completely upside down. There are three important insights in this inspiring story. The first we see displayed early in the Duffer Brothers' journey. It is the ability to hold out. To their shock, they get turned down by all the top film schools. Then one school at the bottom of their list accepts them, but tells the brothers they can't study as a team. And knowing this is the only film school that will take them at this late stage, the Duffer brothers say no. Even as teenagers, they exhibit a trait that will pay off down the road, the ability to hold out when the temptation is so great to give in. Entrepreneur Sarah Blakely says, when something happens to you that you can't control, ask yourself, where is the hidden gift? 
with the Duffer brothers, their first movie goes straight to video. That failure actually attracts a writing opportunity that leads to an important mentor who will teach them how to succeed in television. When they pitch their new 80s-themed television idea, they get rejected 12 times in a single week. As the brothers later said, as soon as you feel confident, that confidence will be tested. When one studio says they will buy the idea if the Duffers make the lead actors adults instead of kids and drop all the 80s nostalgia, the Duffers turn the offer down, even though they had no other offers on the table. But that decision leads to one last meeting with a producer. That producer loves their idea and gets the Duffers in front of Netflix. The second insight here is to write what you know. When the Duffers tried to jump on a trend, the found footage trend, they got rejected over and over again. But when the brothers realized they had nothing left to lose, that gave them the freedom to create an original idea that came from their own unique point of view. That idea would change everything. When Ross Duffer has that panic attack on the plane, he becomes overwhelmed at the thought of competing with thousands of people all looking for the same shot at the big time. Virtually every field has thousands of people banging on the doors to get in. If you only think about it in sheer numbers, it's paralyzing. But here's the thing. Those numbers actually work in your favor. The majority of the people banging on those doors will be average to mediocre. So if you have a truly original idea, if you're willing to fight for it, and if you always, always go the extra mile, you will stand out because so many people don't and won't. The third insight is learning from rejection. As we often say in this series, there is a lot of information in a no. When the Duffers get rejected over and over again, they slowly learn how to present their ideas. They took the learning from that long week of 12 rejections and funneled it into the Netflix presentation. One last thing. There's a recurring pattern we see in all of our stories in this series. When your creative ideas are rejected, it feels extremely personal. But so often, it's not a reflection of you. It's a reflection of timing. Nobody wanted Stranger Things, except for one company who wanted an entire season of it. All it takes is one yes. Never, ever give up. Stranger Things, most watched television show on Netflix, 2019. Emmy Awards, 6. Emmy nominations, 30. Golden Globe nominations, 4. 1980s film inspirations, 27. The Rejection Podcast is an apostrophe podcast production and is recorded in an Airstream mobile recording studio. This episode is hosted and written by me, Sydney O'Reilly. We regret to inform you that this series is produced by Debbie O'Reilly. Engineer, Keith Oman. Theme music by Ian Lefevre and Ari Posner. Director, Callie O'Reilly. Major sources for this episode are listed in the show notes on our website.
apostrophepodcasts.ca slash rejection. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at apostrophepod. Coming up this season, we reject RuPaul, Lady Gaga, and Steve Harvey. If you're interested in advertising on our show, click Advertise With Us on our site. This series is executive produced by Terry O'Reilly. See you next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.